You're listening to the Spandex Power Armor Podcast. I've got to believe it's not Bugster. Hello everybody and welcome back to Spandex Power Armor and uh, we're finally back. Uh, somehow back. <laughs> How long has it been? Two weeks? Well it took me uh, took me two weeks to get here so yeah that would be it. Yeah I, I moved house, me Rex, me move house very very <laughs> far away and because we have crap internet we have to keep doing this in meat space. Oh boy. You have to go through the wilderness, fight off a couple of bears. It actually only took him a day to move house. It's just taken me a couple of weeks to actually find it. I've been camping out in bushes and people's doorways all the time. cryptic clues. <laughs> and that's why the podcast has not been going on for a couple of weeks, but we're back, we're dedicated, mm-hmm. and we're finally going into our X-Aid special. We finished oh it, and, well, we're going to share our opinions with you. Whether you like them or not. But first, we'd like to remind you this podcast is sponsored by TakuToyStore.com. When mm-hmm. you want to buy Taku things, including some Western Taku things, they also stock a few Power Rangers toys, but you want your Sentai, you want your Rider, you want your occasional bit of Ultraman stuff, you want Japan, and you want it in you. Don't be silly, the West can't do Takusatsu, it's only Japanese. <laughs> At this point, Haim Saban is just giggling maniacally. <laughs> My superior Japanese tokusatsu filmed over 50 million times. <laughs> <laughs> he sort of like peels off a mask to reveal he's actually Japanese. <laughs> he just had to pretend to be Western in order to survive in the outside world. So, yep, yeah, as we said, we're doing an X-Aid review. It's uh, a little late, but who cares? Well, it's X-Aid. That as much of a review as it is just going through it, chatting, oh, yeah. well, having yeah. a good time. It's like a review, but we don't have to bother about actually reviewing it. Well, it's more like an informal kind of thing, you know? Just two men talking rubbish about stuff. Like half in the back without the effort. So, most of the Kamen Rider community are familiar with X-Aid, because, hey, it was a big old flashy thing. Came after Ghost, it was new, it was pastel-coloured, you had people wearing neon belts. Are you sure that's new? That sounds kind of old to me. Well, well, Japan's still in the 90s, they've only just moved out to the 80s, (laughs) and so they've got the whole radical thing where they've got bright green and pink going on. There was no skateboard gash yet, though. You know what? That's surprisingly... uh... That was surprisingly conservative of them. I'm surprised they didn't go full 90s. They didn't have the BMX. They had had the BMX bandit. (laughs) We are fine. And so anyway, we'll begin with talking about the plot of Kamen Rider X-Aid. Spoilers ahead. Yeah, there are massive spoilers. So if you haven't finished the series, go ahead and watch it. Or listen to us and then complain in the comments about how we ruined it for you. Spoiler alert, Kyria dies. So does Dumbledore. Oh, what? what? Yeah, I've ruined Harry Potter for you. The next thing you know, he says gay. So, um, the plot for X-Aid is... What is the plot, exactly? <laughs> well, I mean, to begin with, it's just kind of a basic common... Well, standard common Rider affair. Hey. Where it's, um, monsters are things, uh, riders can transform to fight the monsters, and also the riders are semi-related to the monsters. Yes. But we've also got, like, a medical thing, like, the monsters will cultivate and develop inside a person, and then you have to use a suit of power armor to punch the monster until... They're no longer making the person sick. Yes, so basically there is a virus called the... Well, virus, game virus, game disease. Yeah, game of disease. I'm going to keep calling it game virus, or should we just call it X-Aids? X-Aids, yes. <laughs> yeah, so X-Aids is going around as a disease, and this elite team of medical professionals is called upon with additional funding from a game company. When you say elite... Well, uh, not really elite, but... One of them yeah. is an intern, the other one is working with our license. Yeah, well, well Dr. Nick. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Nick. 
So, yeah, they're, they're, they're funded by a games company, which are like, hey, we're definitely not the ones behind the bugsters, guys. No, we're, we're not we're, the baddies. We're totally, we're totally on the level. And the CEO is just like, here, have all these. Mm. Test these out for me. Yeah, it's like a joint venture between, um, is it is it Gen, Gem, or Gen? I just call it, I call it Genmu. Yeah, Gen, Gen, I'm going to say Gen, Gen, Gen. Yeah, it, it's a it's a joint venture between them and the Ministry of Health. They kind of they kind of together set up. I think like the Ministry of Health set up a hospital, and then Gen uh, provide like gas shots. Essentially, and yes. And so whenever a person is infected with the disease, the riders must first transform into their Gremlin Diva form, which is a horrible Ugh. looking, strange chibi. It, it's thing. awful. It, it reminds me of those uh, like, Robotech. Last, yeah. <laughs> And so they do that and fight horrible CGI monsters and don't... Well, they actually gave up on that midway through the series. Yeah, we for, for the longest yeah. time, we do not see level one forms. Then they transform into level two and everything's okay because then it's an actual fight between people in suits. And the battles well, themselves mean, are fairly okay-ish. And every victim always has the same Kamen Rider victim of the week subplot. Like, they don't love their parents or they're going through stress. Oh, that's what triggers it. Stress. You know what makes you stressed? illnesses and you need video games to de-stress you know the bugsters would have win instantly if they just targeted university students yeah they're massively stressed <laughs> finals week everyone's dead <laughs> actually they don't die do they no it's like wizard isn't it they're they, raised they're in they infect a person then they feed off their life force and then they become a complete being and can adopt a human form once their host is dead they don't actually very clear on that, are they? No, it's kind of implied that they're a complete being once they have a human form. But then, Par- but then Parod's host, which is M- Emu, sorry, like Emu, Emu. You're just calling him Emu out. Of it's spite. spelled. It's, it's spelled Emu. Yeah, but it's pronounced Emu. Get out of here. It's I mean, Emu. yeah, that's fine. I'll pronounce every Japanese word exactly in the how it's spelled. Oh, you know what? I like, I like Cayman Rider. He's <laughs> <laughs> a guy who rides small crocodiles. <laughs> Because uh, Parrot's host, e- Emu, was he's still alive and still, yeah, still going on. but we'll get into the characters later on as we're chatting about the plot. And so for the first ten-odd episodes, it's just the it's usual fare of Monster of the Week, done, new monster. Then eventually, well, they've got like four or five monsters and they just keep recycling <laughs> yeah. them. Then they were like, hang on, they brought back another Monster of the Week. Yeah. All the while, Kamen Rider again. Oh, yeah. Kuroto Dan, that's his name. Yes. Dangerous Dan. Dangerous the game Dan. developing man. This dangerous plan. Yes. The CEO, he's always just like, I'm going to do evil things. I'm secretly the one in charge. I'm actually the bad rider you've been facing. Ha 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 ha. It's very, very yeah, it's contrived. Been Kamen Rider Genmu wouldn't ever, you know, hint at that. No, it has no ties to the evil corporation at all. Ooh. Mm-mm-mm. So after a few episodes of just generally going about the motions, so monster defeated, colourful lights, hey look, a new gash out you can slot into your belt, kids, buy the toys, then they finally start explaining, so why is the protagonist some medical intern who's good at video games apparently, and why the hell does he become a bit of a plucky bugger when he transforms? (laughs) Yeah. Then they started looking into it, and so everyone's favourite Hawaiian shirt-wearing coroner looked into it. I'm not a coroner. Yes, you are. And it's very, very contrived, so essentially there's some big shocking secrets as to why Emu can transform, and then we later found out, yeah, he has has the game illness. He has the AIDS. Given to him by Kuroto, actually. Oh, dude. 
Yeah. So I love this. Kuroto's background. Oh. <laughs> so what? He was a game developer, and Emu loved playing no, games. No, not just a game developer. He was a teenage prodigy game developer. Oh, yes. And what, Emu loved games so much, and he made crayon drawings of game characters and sent them to Kuroto as I, ideas. Hang on, hang on, take. Isn't this basically Christian? Yeah, but successful. And so Kuroto got so angry that his designs were great. Right. He just emailed him. I think, <laughs> Horrible, crippling disease. I mean, seriously, I mean, he just gets email like a scrawled uh, letter from like a 10 year old with crayon drawings. This child is better than me. Maybe he was raised in a vacuum and doesn't really have an idea of what is the standard. I, I don't. Honestly, I don't see how a 10 year old can make a game pitch that's better than the teenage yeah, prodigy. Drawings. I mean, how much detail? I mean, it. Dan, sorry, Kuroto is an actual genius prodigy. So it stands to reason that as a kid, like, he'd still be able to make good stuff. But Emu isn't. He's just a normal guy. But hey, we'll get more into the two of them later. So that's his background just about sorted. He wasn't given the magic surgery that lets him use the magic day-glow green belt. <laughs> Kiryu kind of cottons onto this and starts digging a little bit deeper, goes to see... Uh, you see Dangerous Dan's Dangerous Dad in prison. So when I watched the series, I watched about half of it, then continued with it a few months later. And a lot of the early plot points are a nightmare to remember, not because it was that span of time, but simply because the show kept hopping between them like oh, mad. Because yeah. they, they've also got the whole um, conflict between um, Snipe and Brave oh, and yes. uh, Brave's dead girlfriend. Oh yeah, that was a thing. And then but, they just drop yeah. that. But we'll talk about that subplot in more detail once we start discussing the characters. And the whole thing with Kiri is really weird, like he's trying to prove that Genmu is Kuroto. And then there's some really oh. weird ruse with the bugsters that says, no, you, you were wrong, Kiria's a dick. Yeah, yeah, because um, cause Kiria had that little little bit where he's lying a lot. Yeah. It's uh, been a while since uh, I've seen this episode, I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, he used to tell lies, and I'm not quite sure, because he never really told major lies. Yeah, I mean... He just, yeah. And then, um, yeah, they had that whole thing, then he ends up dead spoiler whoops no one oh, yeah, knew about Kiria that dies. funny thing about that actually that was on, in the Christmas episode apparently a bunch of kids got really upset really and so um, but they also um, Toei uh, made a tweet that was it was a it was a misquote from Grave of the Fireflies it was something like uh, why do fireflies always die but they changed it to something like why do riders die something like that and that was in really poor taste because Grave of the Fireflies. Doesn't really oh. go with Carmen Rider. So they had to issue another apology for that tweet. That's about as relevant as stopping a riot by handing people Pepsi. But yeah, that's uh, that was interesting. They really they really milked that death. Didn't they have like a, a memorial t shirt they sold in the premium bandai store as really? well? Really? I thought that was Some... just a lie. I thought that was just a shit post. Might have been, but uh, as far as I know, that's a legit thing you could buy. My god. Maybe it's a maybe it's a dirty t shirt from Bill that was um that you're thinking yeah. of. The problem is, I find with that plot, it just happened too soon in the series for us to really care about Kiria dying. We're yeah, still, yeah, yeah, we're still at the beginning of his character development at that point. We're still kind of this guy's kind of a kind of a dick, but like he's okay-ish. The only person who cared about him was Emu. Everyone else was just like, oh, he's here. Why? Why did he care about him? Because he was the bike. Here, take my belt. I'm dying. Love me forever now. And yeah, until he gets revived. He has more screen time in, uh, in flashbacks to that one death scene of his oh, yeah, than he does in that. any other episode before then. It's great, but then again, I can explain it. I mean, you can't just ride anyone without developing an emotional attachment. You can't be riders with benefits. 
To those that don't know, Kyria literally transforms into a motorcycle that in is the secondary form. form. Yeah. That's it's, that's the rider machine. It's messed up. That he only used like in a couple of episodes. Yeah, a couple of episodes. It's used less than Kiva. I mean even then it's pretty redundant because then you can just use the gas shot normally and just summon like a like a hollow shell of your friend. Ah, I'm riding my friend's corpse. It's pretty messed up. It's a bit it's messed, up. messed up. Kinda goth, but hey. So after that, after he's exposed and after Kyria's dead. Um, Dan, well, I keep calling him Dan. Kuroto, Dangerous Dan. Dangerous Dan. <laughs> Dangerous Dan and Dangerous Dan's dad. Dangerous dad. Uh, so um, Dangerous Dan and Parad have to go um, kind of underground a bit and they hide out in this, whatever it is. Abandoned w- room. With like um, rock band game controller, like a Bunch drum. Of synths. I think there was an actual guitar in there as well. Wherever that is. Um, and they start kind of um, running their running their show from there. Well, yeah, it's like an indie hipster video game startup. That's oh, it's Hello Games now. It, it, that's what's left of Hello Games. <laughs> that's all that's left of Hello Games. Dark warehouse room. <laughs> oh, yeah, because that, that's when Dangerous Dan gets outed as the baddie. And so Ooh. still stays the CEO, I think, wasn't he? Well, he's was only, he only stays yeah. CEO because he's dead and they haven't been able to kind of find a new one yet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he also becomes immortal by gathering data from his own death. Yeah, and he becomes a dangerous zombie. This is definitely a Japanese series. It makes zero sense. <laughs> but yeah, because uh, Parrot's always like, "Hey, w- when are you making the gas shot for me? When are you making? When are you making the thing? When are you making the fun when, thing, Dan?" When did Parrot actually it. appear? I think he just appeared at some point. He's like in the first episode, isn't he? With the, with graphite. Was he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're on the, on the building, and they're like, "We we like to kill humans." Yes, yes, we do, friend. Let's go and kill more humans. Yeah, he's like for the next bunch of episodes, he's nagging. Make the thing. Make the thing. And then, oh, yeah, he's like, make the thing. And then Dan makes him a different thing to tide him over until the other thing's made, which I don't understand why he couldn't just make the thing. We sound like we're trying to make a spoiler-safe version of the episode. <laughs> then the thing happened who killed Thing. Oh, no, we found not out thing. thing was actually infected with Thing in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, Parrot's nagging um, Kuroto to make um, Kamarada Chronicle and to tide him over to make sure he's not just, uh, yeah, won't throw a tantrum. He makes... Um, Oh, what's that? The the oh, the attorney thing. Yeah, thingy. perfect, no, perfect no. puzzler, knockout fighter. Yes, just incredibly generic. That was a really lazy transformation thing because it's just a gash at, and he, he he transforms it by turning it to the game he wants to do. And then the body parts just turn around. Yeah, but then he just that's the actual thing. There's not like a driver that goes with it. He just slots so, it in a belt. Yeah, he just a belt is part of his suit. And he just has a little holder on the side there, just so he doesn't drop it. That's really lazy. I really want to bitch about Parad later. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly his terrible costume. But yeah, so um, he gets that, and uh, what, what level is that? Fifty. Can't remember. I'm pretty sure that's fifty because then um, they get more kind of like that, and those are fifty as well. The plot was always a bit of a mess until halfway through the series. Yeah. So all throughout that, they were just trying to take down Kuroto. They were like, "Oh, we've got to plan this. We've got to plan that." He keeps on sending bugsters, oh, and no. he's being really, really strange. He's just getting them all. It's just a mess. And they're like, "Hey, can we fight him? We've got to slay this immortal zombie." And then for some reason, Emu gets super X AIDS. He just. Does he use some gash? No, now I remember. Oh, yeah, when Kuroto's making the extra gashats, new games, and he gets yeah. the Mighty Brothers thing and Maximum Mighty X. They're just so forgettable. Oh, the origins are terrible. And a Mighty Brothers X is kind of interesting. Yeah, but why didn't they shill in the whole he's possessed by parrot thing when that happened? Because he was just arguing with himself. Well, they were kind of 
that was kind of foreshadowing for it, but you would have think you would have thought that that episode would have been where they fully started there. It takes them a little while after that to get into they the whole... They fannied around a lot about it. Oh yeah, a lot of XA kind of feels like killing time. Yeah, it was mostly filler, so when Emu finally uses magical reprogramming abilities to stop Dan from coming back from the dead, things actually get interesting. Oh yeah, he has that power. Yeah, and he reveals that he was working on Kamen Rider Chronicle, which is basically Pokemon Go, except you die horribly. So, like people who drive while playing Pokemon Go. (laughs) It's basically a LARP that gets way out of hand. So, after Kuroto's death, and everything seems okay, and the gang are just dealing with the usual bugsters, (laughs) because, hey, we need to reuse suits, right? Then they find out there's a new CEO, and then the bugsters start taking over everything. Oh, that guy. Yeah. What's it called? Lovelicker. Lovelicker, yes. And he just starts coming out as some chubby poncy dude who loves himself. So, when everyone else is distracted by the bugsters, he nicks Poppy. Oh, yeah, there's... Poppy. We'll talk about Poppy later. Poppy. Yeah. Poppy's cute. Yeah. And so he nicks Poppy, brainwashes her, makes her join with the evil bugsters, and then no. they complete Common Rider Chronicle. Mm. And they've got a really weird way of marketing it, because you've got Poppy dancing and being all cutesy in the massive ads, and <laughs> they just say, yeah, you get to turn into a rider and fight lots of bugsters. But you don't get a bike. But you don't get a bike. Uh, what exactly are you riding? The company's, the hype. <laughs> the company's riding your wallet. <laughs> yeah, the hype. So despite Lovelicka becoming the new CEO of Genmu, he wasn't really seen as the big boss. He was just a tool to Parad, who had taken over as the head bugster who could transform into a rider. I love the name of the rider, though, Paradox. It's pronounced Paradox, it's Para-DX. Kind of like uh, the the deluxe things they have with the uh, the toys. It's Uh, it's just how they make it look fancy. It's it's Paradox. 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 Yes. We've got a big parent. <laughs> We've got a big old parent dicks. <laughs> there we are. There's the tangent alarm. We've made dick jokes, and we've not even been doing this for half an hour. Oh yeah, by um, by this point, it's that. This is where I was starting to realise. Hang about, they're just reusing these monster designs. Yes. So basically, they were having the bugster monster of the week appear in new places, and other people would become minor riders. What was it? Ride players, that's it. Ride players, yeah. Kind of like the um, riot troopers and um, the the Kuro-something troopers. in uh, Kurokage troopers. Yeah, Kurokage troopers. Yeah, essentially, they were like mooks. And the best part was, it was all part of the Bugster's master plan to kill lots of humans, because every time there was a Bugster, all the other players would just scramble and get their asses kicked. Yeah. And then Paradox would appear and then kill them all. And oh, no. it was great. And oh, 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 the best part is Poppy was brainwashed to become like the announcer. Oh, yeah, and, she's. Yeah, what was it? Uh, navigator, the game navigator. Yeah. And so whenever a, one of the riders came up, she's like, This is a common rider. Kill him and steal all his loot. Mug Nick, him. Nick his driver, Nick his weapons. Deck and you'll him. get some really great weapons to fight everyone with. Now, the problem with this, overall, I don't think any ride player aside from Nico had been successful in beating a bugster. None of them had. No one made any progress. They yeah, all no. died in the beginning. And so, okay, this is where I thought we were getting into the main plot. Right. The Bugsters were the video game villains, and they were sick of being beaten over and over again in video games. And so in order to get revenge, they create their own live-action game where they kill more and more humans. Hmm. Now, I thought that was a great plan. That seemed like a great motivation for a villain thing. It's a shame it died, like, five episodes later. It really, it really doesn't go anywhere unfortunately it's it is a good concept for a series 
and then they still start building up the fact that you've got to defeat all the oh. monsters to get to it. You've got like a different tier, so like at the bottom you've got things like Salty and that, and then you get a couple of the other ones. Then above that, it's Graphite Paradoxes, two forms, and Lovely Care, and then yeah. above that is it's the final Cronus. boss. Actually, weren't they trying to aim toward getting the power of Cronus? That's why Nico was doing it. She wanted yeah. to get Cronus, that power, then kick all the ass. Cronus is like a legendary power that you can get to beat the final boss. As if. It's all that you get from slotting two Chronicle Gashats in a gamer driver. Yeah. And you've just got to be living with the disease for years in order to do it. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Tiger. No, it's not that. It, it, that helps. What it is, is you have to be immune to every strain. But the people who have been living with it for years have kind of built up an immunity over so time. So most rock stars from the 1980s then, they've got they've huh. dealt with every strain of every disease. Do they get superpowers <laughs> now? Well, I think the ability to survive as long as they have is a, super, is a superpower in and of itself. Freddie Mercury tried to become Chronicle, but he wasn't strong enough. He had the regular aids, not the X-Aids. <laughs> and all throughout this, the team keep trying to find new ways to beat it. So you've got Tiger and Nico trying to do their thing and get yeah. all the gashats and prizes and stuff. And the rest are like, hey, Emu's got Parad. For some reason, Parad is possessing Emu and they decide to excise him. Oh, yeah, it takes some ages. And it's um, it's uh, Hero, it's uh, Comrade Brave who works out because he just realised, I'm going to take. Parad's weirdly obsessed with Emu. Yeah, you'd think that people with medical degrees would have some ability to see connections and things. Did Emu never try and scan himself just as a joke with his um uh, that stethoscope thing and see? Oh, I'm yeah. sick. I've got AIDS. I like how they kept it a secret from him. Like even when Hero found out, it was like, oh, he's got the game virus. Oh wait, no, they did ages ago, didn't they? Then they oh, yeah. tried to fight it out of him. The plot is so forgettable. It really is, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh and yeah, Tiger and Hero know about it, and they're like, no, don't tell Emu, because he'll die, because he'll be stressed out. <laughs> I like how maybe that's an ethical thing. I mean, if Emu weren't able to comprehend a lot about the world, but he is a normal human being mm. who has the capacity to understand stuff, so that's a bit of a breach of medical ethics. That would get you sacked in the NHS. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter for uh, for Tiger. He's, he was sacked anyway. <laughs> He's super sacked. What are you going to do, take my license away again? And so they eventually find a way to stop Parrot from being so obnoxious somehow and try and defeat him how Emu does that reprogram thing on him, but it all goes awry when in oh. fact he then somehow merges with a bit of human DNA and becomes... Oh yeah, yeah. he's able to use the, uh, the gamer drive rather than yeah. just the gashat itself and he becomes... Um... Oh, well, it's, it's a paradox, but it's perfect knockout the game. Yeah. It's a bit strange... It works, I suppose. I, I kind of like that, where using different trinkets or using different ways to transform it. it kind of like, um, what was it, Max Dead Heat or something oh, like yes. that. I like it when they mix drivers and the gashes. It is a good well, idea. Trinkets, you know what I mean? But the problem in X8 is, you can get spoilers for the show if you own the belt and everything. It's like, okay, what if oh. I try this in this driver? It's like, oh, it makes different sounds. Well, yeah, that's what that's what they do. It's um, As soon as the drivers come out, people uh, take little, um, no, take little needles and the play kids, with the though, pins. They're just like, what? I don't think the kids will go, oh, look, I wonder what happens if I push these what in different orders. What if I stick two Chronicle Gashats in here? Oh, wait, I'm Cronus now. Take that, kids, on the playground. I control time. <laughs> so what it Oh, was that a JoJo reference? <laughs> the end of the show has a few JoJo references, doesn't it? Yeah, because um, Cronus keeps saying uh, Mudada. Mudada, useless. Useless. There's like a behind-the-scenes photo of um, Graphite's actor, Nico's actress, and Poppy's actress doing different JoJo poses together. 
So they were at least aware that there were going to be JoJo comparisons. Mm. And so while the whole Chronicle plot just continues where Paradox is just killing more and more players and everything, then, oh, I cannot remember his name. He's just Dan. Dangerous Dan's dad. Oh, 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 Masamune. Masamune! Muramasa. (sighs) Muramasa Dan. Muramasa Dan, Mr. Flange Sword. So yes, Masamune, I'll just call him Dangerous Dad for now. Yeah, Dangerous Dad. Dangerous Dad comes out of prison, and then it's revealed he was actually the bad guy all along. (gasps) Oh no! You mean he's been playing this for 16 years, despite the fact that he had no real way to do that? He was some sort of Machiavellian genius. You mean the idea that Kuroto had completely independently of his dad was actually his dad's idea all along? (gasps) It's a bit of a strange thing it's bizarre it is so bizarre so it really doesn't work yeah. i mean masamune is a fun villain he's a complete asshat and it is kind of fun to watch him screw everyone over so but his it, uh, it, when he when you when you put on any any real level of scrutiny it doesn't work too much it doesn't hold up unfortunately mm. so masamune appears transforms into cronus and then says i i have this game now, this game is mine, proceeds to kill Lovelicka, beat the crap out of the others, and then just take over as the big boss. Mm. And that just relegates Graphite and Parod into the sidelines, where they sort of become semi-protagonists part of the way, but we'll yeah. talk about that later. And can we just talk about whatever the hell the motivation was for the rest of this? <sighs> so, the grand scheme of Masamune Dan was not for the bad guys to finally win. It was so he could control who lives and who dies he wanted everyone to buy the game under the assumption that if you can beat the final boss everyone everyone gets brought back to life because when you play the game and you die you you actually die for real it's like in canada (laughs) If if you die in the game you die for real Actually, they don't die in a game. They're playing a game, sure, but they're playing the game in meat space. It's not like they're they're trapped in the game. But but it's like an augmented reality game. Is it even? It's more like a LARP, really. I mean, the the Pokemon Go game. Yeah, that's what I mean. They're playing a game in meat space, so it's more like a game like Tag than anything. I mean, the uh, the Pokemon Go comparison is apt, but it's more like a LARP. Like they're, I mean, they're not standing there saying lightning bolt, lightning bolt. You mean people don't LARP Pokemon Go? As in, you're not going to get people dressed like Pokemon trainers going around? You say when they implemented the battle function, people aren't going to shout out the commands they give to the Pokemon as well. God, that's depressing. That's the hardcore <laughs> Go players. What a bunch of losers. Uh, to be honest, I'd do that. That seems amazing. Yeah. Exactly. Hi, I'm Hypnopotamus Loser. <laughs> and I'm Carmen Loser. And uh, we're really, really enjoying that. <laughs> it, it really doesn't have any drive, I guess, to do that. I mean, yeah. I, it's a fine plan. It is a fine villain plan. A little bit generic, but it's fine. I just don't understand why. There's no end game to it. It's just, yeah, I've got everyone dead. Then he's like, yeah, I can bring people back from the dead, but I'm not going to. I can control what happens. I think he just wants people dead and he can decide who lives and who dies. It's so basic. I hate it personally. I hate that motive because there is no long-term goal. It's yeah. just like, all that power is just a means to an end. Where's the end? I thought it was going to be some sort of long-term... Like, Okay, so something that's benign, something that's actually quite well-meaning, like in Kamen Rider Double, yeah, where he wants to create some massive connection to the Earth or some bollocks, but with this it's like he wants all life to be digitized so he can bring it back as a bookster so no one will ever be ill or suffer. That would be amazing, that would have made sense, but no, yeah. he's just generic baddie. 
I mean, that would be a good idea because no one would ever agree to be digitized normally. So, I mean, the only way to do it would be to have them die and then be digitized that way, you know? Yeah. And then have more people be killed trying to rescue them. Yeah, that would that's actually a much better idea than what they went with. I don't... They didn't actually have an idea, did they? No. And so by this point, they've got a whole lot of protagonist riders. Oh. You've got X-Aid, Snipe, and you've got Poppy. Poppy's a rider. A brave jump ship because yeah. Kronos just tells him, hey, I can bring back your dead girlfriend. And then Nico's sort of a ride player, but she wears like a cap and a backpack. Yeah, she's kind of customised. And every cool. time she kills, uh, she every time she commits murder, she puts a little star on her chest. It's cool. Yay, smiley face. I took a life today. <laughs> and, oh, 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 Poppy brings Kuroto back. Oh, yes, yes. And he obviously followed the William Shatner school of acting in that he just overacted oh, he, everything. I think death really impacted him mm. so you then find out his motivation was just to create the best game ever and but then he's mad at his dad because he twisted it and made it like some bad thing the only reason he's a protagonist is that they let him work on making gashats and stroke his ego <laughs> they don't even stroke his ego that much and he just keeps coming back from the dead because he has some weird continue function <laughs> yeah he got like a, like a level zero um, gashat which is kind of broken and it gives him like a bunch of continues yeah but he just ends up going all hypersberg and overacting the whole time but he is actually a fairly valuable asset oh yeah and then Cronus also brings Kyria back from the dead and so he finally does have a humanoid level 2 form it just kind of looks a bit lame it looks like they stripped parts from the Giri Giri Chanbara thing it really does and just left the front of the face and the chest and stuff yeah it's very stripped down but they brought Kiria back because you didn't want the Japanese kids crying in Christmas (laughs) in vain but obviously they would have brought him back surely Uh, the bike man's dead mummy bring him back so at this point you've got a buttload of protagonists and it gets a bit confusing really because they're still sort of chasing their own ends but it's more the same end so you've still got Snipe and Nico doing their thing yeah, they're, they're all ultimately going for the same goal, which is not be killed by video game characters. But they all have their own agendas along the way. And the one problem is the plot from episode 30 onward is just filler. It's so many episodes of filler to the extent that they're about to take down Kronos and destroy oh. him utterly. And he just does something and it causes it to reset. No, he gets really, really angry and that affects the gash out in some way. And he just resets it to a few episodes before, so Kyria still has his driver and stuff. Mm. And so then they have to force it to... Well, my brain is melting right now. You really can't make sense of it in one go. Yeah, so then they added the new save function to the funky Mukteki ninja thing. What was it called again? Oh, oh, I think I actually just be... Super Ninja Invincible. uh, Yeah. Muteki Gamer something. I just call it Ninja. It's a ninja with dreads. Gold dreads. (laughs) That's always debuted some sort of invincible form, but he hardly uses it to be invincible. It's themed out like a a Musou game. uh, What is Musou? It's kind of like a spectacle fighter thing. uh, It's a spectacle fighter. You know, um, is it's it where people with glasses beat each other up? Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, Hyrule Warriors. That's the only one that comes to mind. Oh yeah, it's it's that. Basically. Oh, like Dynasty Warriors. Yeah, yeah, Dynasty. That's it. That's one of them. But yeah, it's uh, basically where you just like an overpowered asshole just killing a bunch of guys. So that that's that's what that's based on. So yeah, the team have to spend lots more episodes developing a way of making him unable to do the horrible restart function. It's filler. All of it is filler. It's, it's just the filler. same plot yeah. over and over again. 
and just wasting time. Yeah, it's just time for characters to be funny, where Kuroto just goes full Shatner. <laughs> That's the only appeal. And then Kuroto reveals that the real boss of Chronicle is someone called Game Deus. But then the Bugsters are doing their own thing, so you've got Parad and Graphite, one of which has infected himself with Game Deus's virus. Yeah, to kind of cultivate and bring him into the uh, to the real world. And he's just slowly dying while Parad is just doing it. Graphite's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm getting stronger, I swear. I'm just in constant agony. I'm not ill. Parad's like, dude, do you want to come help the writers? No, I'm good. I mean, I know that Kyria took the disease out of him when I tried to infect Kronos, but I'll do it again. <laughs> It'll work this time, I swear. It'll work. Let's, let's make another Call of Duty sequel. Uh, <laughs> it was very, very odd. It's a mess. It's a mess, but a fun mess. So in order for the team to properly summon the power of Game Deus... They decide to have Nico kill all of the other bugsters in order to unlock all the cool tat. And the problem with that is they have to kill some characters. I know they got the Poppy Popo one at some point when she was unbrainwashed earlier. Oh, that was just but... from Lovelicker. She's using um. Oh yeah. She, she's using the powers from Lovelicker's games. It's about the fact that she comes from her well, own I think game. There was, surely there was a Doremi for Beat one. Yeah, Doremi for Beat is a power up for Brave. No, 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 I'm talking about as like the prize during Chronicle. No, no, uh, that's not Doremi for B, that's um, Tokimeki Crisis. So, but surely she herself is a boss in there, and so she would have to be. She's she the was, Doremi for Beat one. And no, no, she, she, the... was, she wasn't a boss in it, though. She was a navigator, and she was like a, she was like a referee in that. She wasn't actually part but of the What about the episode thing. where they tried to fight her and she was all depressed? Well, she, they were just fighting her to try and bring her back. No, well, I was talking about with the ride players, how they were attacking her. She had her own prize thing. That was unlocked later on. Lovelicus was Takemaki Crisis and it yeah. was given to... Yeah, let's ignore this nightmare of a cluster look. And so sometimes they had to get the different prizes from doing other things. So maybe it's kill Parad. So Kronos offered one way of getting Parad's one by just killing Parad and he'll give it to them so Emu can't transform and do his thing. Yeah. And that's one weird subplot that keeps going on and it is really weird. You know, to get rid of that plot point, why, don't, why doesn't Emu just go into the whole um, surgery thing and then he doesn't have to worry about Parad being killed? And yeah, why doesn't he have the right of surgery? I mean, seriously, I mean, why not? Yeah, and so they eventually start grinding their way up with things and deal with various conundrums. Is it conundrums or conundra? For the plural? Yeah. I think it's conundrums. I'm not. A, I'm, I'm going to say conundra because it makes me sound smart and it sounds like a spell. Uh, so going through all these conundra and different character interactions, like, no, you can't kill this person, and when, for some reason, Parad becomes more of a good guy and Emu sort of tortures him, but we'll go into more detail <laughs> when we cover the characters. They finally summon Game Deus, who then proceeds to give everyone the game disease. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, crap, and then Kyria finally snaps about Kuroto being the same annoying person <laughs> and starts to infect him with it and take advantage of his many lives by repeatedly beating the crap out of him yeah. in order for him to gain immunity to the disease. So Kyria manages to do both actual medical research and get sweet, delicious revenge. <laughs> and Kuroto had stated previously that Game Deus wasn't supposed to give everyone the disease, but he'd been reprogrammed by Cronus to do all that fun stuff. We tend to go between the names, so it is Massimone, Cronus, that sort of thing. But they're, they're if you watch the, the show, you'll understand. If not, we're incredibly sorry, and we'll send our fingers in the mail to you as an apology. You have to just read the uh, liner notes on our album when, you, when you're listening to it. It's like a prog rock album. <laughs> Translator's notes. <laughs> and so, after the final boss they summoned was surprisingly weak, 
then Kronos decides to merge with him and mm. then have all the funky powers and become another rider and then so I'm just trying to wrap my head around this plot it is a mess of a plot then Nico tries to fight him and then gets her ass kicked then oh, yeah cuz um yeah. cuz technically she collected all the um the what are they called Gasha trophies or something yeah, like that so she's trophies yeah so she's offered the chance to fight um game Deus because because, well, technically, Cronus yeah. is now game deus. Yeah, but remember that he expects her to become Cronus in order to yeah. fight him, and that really doesn't go well, so Tiger decides that his morality pet really can't do that, and so he decides to become Cronus. Oh, don't you mean daughter No. And then that's quite interesting. It's this lovely fight, but it all just ends with the same mess, and I forget what happens then, but then he just keeps on doing his thing again and again, and more game viruses spread, and then we get to the last couple of episodes... Where it's all a game virus. Yeah, so I know we seem very disjointed right now, but it's hard to wrap your head around the plot of X-Aid. Well, the series itself is pretty disjointed. It's bipolar. It swaps from one to another. Hell, even overall, we're not talking about the sections where they're not riders, because it tries to be a medical drama then. Yeah, it's, it's like two shows in one. It's like, on the other hand, I've got to beat this multicolored monster on the other. I've got to heal his heart to make him smile again. No, you fool, you can't get too involved with your patients. That just impacts you emotionally, and you have to be impartial. But I want to protect smiles, I want to heal people and everyone be happy. Nurse, give me 20 cc's of medicine. No, wait, that's the wrong medicine. No, we need to give him the right medicine. No, wait, the first medicine was actually the correct medicine. It isn't the best when it comes to being a medical drama. It's often at times too soppy and heartfelt for a show about neon-coloured superheroes <laughs> and so after all that fuss and then finally obviously poppy sacrifices herself there's always one character that has to do a really weird sacrifice yeah and also parrot's a good guy because emu tortured him to death basically <laughs> but then he stopped de- the death part and just yeah. kind of brought him back so sort of recalls that's him what it feels like his. so we'll talk about that motivation in a sec and so poppy then sacrifices herself everyone's sad and it starts raining colourful rainbow particles like some sort of gay apocalypse (laughs) and then everything is fine everyone's healed and then they still need to fight Kronos again Mm. then it comes to the most satisfying part of the show the final fight that was pretty funny even if I hate the gremlin forms ah so yeah in order to fight the CGI abomination that Kronos and Game Deus have become, they have to resort to the level 1 form with the chibi thing. And Mm. Emma was like, I've got to do what Poppy taught me before, because she told him that you have to do that. That's quite a nice touch, really. Yeah. It's a good throwback, and the fight scene is satisfying. And then that happens, he's all defeated and stuff. And then it cuts to the last episode, where they then do the fight in their secondary forms. Because uh, yeah, yeah, you got a nice little bit... touch. Because uh, remember that bit in the in the opening where they're um in the end like at night with the yeah on the road at night and he's on Kyria. Yeah, turns out that that's actually a thing in the series and uh, it's the last that's... scene. Yeah, and it is very satisfying they included that. Oh, and also Paradise and Emu was somehow unable to transform, but then somehow he is able to during that scene. Again, this plot is a mess. Yeah, he dies, but then because he touches him as he dies, he gets ill with him again, and so he doesn't really die. Yeah. So there really isn't much of a point to him dying at all. The final fight itself is very, very satisfying, well choreographed, and you'd need to watch it in order to understand how lovely it is. It's a bit like the game one, and it's good. There's even a bit where it does look like it's made out of a video game, which 
isn't a good thing because it's not a video game and the CGI isn't that great. Japanese CGI never really the best, but keep there in is... mind they did have the best impact effects. Oh yeah. And the finishes, it looked sort of semi-rotoscoped. Mm. Mm, good stuff. And so after that whole fight happens and Cronus is like, hey, now you've beat me, but everyone who I said I would save but didn't is now going to die and they're all dead and you're all murderers. Then he commits seppuku with a gashat, like stabs himself with Chronicle. <laughs> and so that happens. Then the rest of the episode is dedicated to the whole aftermath thing. Yeah, I it's like a bit cougar. So then you've got Emu making an announcement, all formal, and saying that no, they're not really dead, but we'll try and invent some medical science to bring them back, and he's going into full serious doctor mode. He's actually a big boy now. Yes. And then it's still assumed that the game disease is still a thing, there are still bugsters about, and now the Ministry of Health is working with the reformed Genmu Corporation <laughs> to make everything right again and make a medicine that works, and then boy. Tiger's abandoned hospital. <laughs> gets a license so then he starts he just, doing the same thing just sticks a sheet of printer paper on the sign yeah d don't mind the fact it's a creepy abandoned hospital straight out of Scooby-Doo don't mind the anthrax don't mind old man Jenkins wearing a sheet <laughs> and so it's the usual happy ending well sort of bittersweet because hey Emu's kind of hung up over the fact that his friends have died then it's got that really saccharine scene at the end where he walks back into the main base and then he finds out that Kuroto, being the super developer he is, had somehow managed to bring her back from the dead by infecting himself with her. Then doing... It doesn't make sense. And he also I've, brought Parrot back the same way. I don't much care for it. Um, I mean, if you had to do it, I'd have preferred if they kept it to one of the other movies set afterwards. Maybe... Yeah, at this point, the human brain starts to melt and explode, and that's how it ends. It's like, yeah, there are still bad guys to fight, and Emu's happy that he can then do more of the bad guy fighting with his belt because Parad's alive. And <laughs> I don't really like the idea that they're sort of bound together because Parad just seems too much of a lesser character. Like, I don't really care about Kamen Rider Paradox. Parad was okay to begin with until he was forced into um, prominence. Yeah. He like, he was, was fine as, like, uh... a... Like a second fiddle villain to uh, to Dan. But otherwise, he was a bit meh overall. And this is where we seg into talking about the characters, and there are a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, starting off, we've got Emu, Kamen Rider X-Aids. He's, um, he's a, he's a, he starts off as a pediatrics intern, and later, a couple of in a couple of episodes, he turns, he's a, yeah, like a... He's a surgery internship. And so he's a constant rookie. He's going through the early parts of his training, and he's always the very polite, sort of shy thing that always enjoys doing his medical job, which is a contrast compared to his childhood, back when he had the old game disease, when he was a pro gamer. And oh, the genius gamer Mika's M. Ass. Yes, genius gamer M. Emu, get it? Haha! -ha. It it's wordplay, I guess. And or so play. There's always that contrast between what he was and what he is, and so it's sort of there to act as a way of justifying his personality shifts, because they're slowly building up, as you've said, to the whole being possessed by Parrot thing. It is an interesting character. I mean, he starts off kind of like uh, like JD from Scrubs, except he doesn't have a black best friend. <laughs> He's kind of bland until they introduce the whole possessed game virus thing he's just there for the ride unfortunately he's okay he's inoffensive the the other characters where the series shine it's it's not you don't watch it for emu you watch it for tiger or for dan actually it's not as bad as gaim i didn't hate emu 
Emu is likable. He's there. He just doesn't get up oh, yeah. to much. Like I said, middle of the road. He's kind of moderately inoffensive, you know? Despite being a neutral and inoffensive character, Emu's backstory is often the motivation for a lot of the early plot, especially when it comes to finding out why he can transform, and later on, with his relation to Parrot. And it's just the whole mess of him being given the disease, but it wasn't out of some act of spite from Kuroto. It was actually to be able to incubate Parrot the operation he had later on was them extracting Parad, and well, so Parad was just like a side effect of it. No, no, no. He actually came out as part of the operation. The operation well, was I, to remove him. I know it was part of the operation. I thought Parad's kind of coming out of it was just like an afterthought. I thought it was mostly just so. No, no, no. Really, he came out, but he's still physically there, and they're still tied. So Parad hadn't really been oh, no, either yeah. defeated or had killed Emu. So that he's still there. So maybe maybe that's why he's a complete being, but Emu's still alive. He, I wouldn't say he's a complete being, because he doesn't have a monster form. Well, yeah, but I mean, he has a human form because he isn't part of a game. Well, Poppy doesn't have a monster form either. What Poppy's monster form? How do you Poppy's do- monster form is Poppy. Her human form is the nurse. Whereas with Parrot, he only has one form. He is human because he's been cultivating in a human. He's not bound to a specific game. He is just there. He was cultivated to become something, but it didn't have the same motive as, say, Poppy's cultivation. Emu's relationship with Parrot had always been a bit strange, so he always has to find himself defeating him, mm. yet he can't kill him because he'd be unable to transform. Yeah. And Emu himself is a fairly likeable character, and so when it comes to the fact that he has to deal with Parrot, he'd been killing so many ride players, taking human lives and enjoying it, Parrot only had the motivation where he wanted to fight Emu, he always enjoyed playing games with them. He was the one possessing him and motivating him through the whole gaming phase yeah, of his life. And even after that, he does have the whole kind of um, devil on the shoulder kind of thing. He's like, hey, Emu, you know what you should do? You should kill that person. That would solve everything. Go on, do it. Pretty much, do yes. It, transform and kick his ass and kill Parrot him. Parrot is more of a representation of Emu's id, his inner child even. And Yeah, Parrot is very immature. A, yeah, he's very childish. He just wants to constantly fight Emu. In a lot of battles, he just drops by and says, Hey, Emu, now's a great time to fight. Let's do it. Emu, you know what would be great if we did right now? If, you, if I kicked your ass? Yeah, let's fight. But near the end, Emu eventually obliges but then does it very purposefully, being very, very grumpy, and so he instantly goes into hypermoteki form and whoops Parrot's ass, giving him a near-death experience. Then it goes into the whole kind of Final Fantasy kind of thing, where they're all underwater and there's like a metaphor for... Well, that's the metaphor for death that had only been started after Parrot had watched Cronus kill Lovelicker, because then he started having Whoa, fear on, of his own on, death. Hang about, someone cared about Lovelicker? Yeah, Parrot, for some reason, seemed like to care. It sounds like a really creepy name. I mean, I know, I know they're kind of going for like Lovelicker. a... Lovelicker. Yeah, they're going for like some kind of Italian thing, maybe? Something like that, but it just sounds weird. Japan tries to emulate Europe in the worst ways. So from that perspective, Parrot is like an immature, less well-developed heart from Drive. Oh! He shows empathy, and so he fears for his own life after seeing one of his comrades die. That is a, yeah. And so he'd been struggling with that stress for a long time. Then Emu straight up kills him, and so he experiences that fear. And then it's revealed later on that Emu sort of absorbed him until later on then released him. Yeah. And that's quite a good idea, really, because it won him over to the rider's side. I think, yeah, the, the main... Um, not the main motivation, but like the main reason why he was... Uh, the main um, enabling factor behind Parrot's uh, villainy was that he didn't actually like, understand what it would be like to die and not come back. He It just didn't uh, register for him that it would not be a thing people would be okay with, because Bugsters could just be... Could just be come back, yeah, could just be spurted out of a bug virus and be, hey... 
and back again guys. Which reinforces my view that he is very childlike, he is naive, he doesn't quite understand what death is. He knows that people die, but he didn't know what it felt like beforehand, and so part of Emu is that he's intelligent and compassionate, and so is able to pull Parad toward him in order to gain an ally. So yeah. Emu isn't an entirely hopeless Neo Heisei character. He's a bit of a tool, but that's always what happens with Neo Heisei. But all this kind of comes up towards the end of it. So, I mean, it would be nice if we had more of him being like a responsible... Yes. Uh, then again, I suppose it's, it says more about his development as a character along the, mm. along the way. I'd, the show only gets uh, interesting near the end, to be it honest. It really does. I wish we started at the end. The first you know? half is very, very bland. If it didn't set up so much stuff that comes into play later on, I'd recommend you miss the first half. It was for the most part exposition and filler, but Emma as a whole seems like quite a competent character. Yeah. He even seems to get on with Parrot and accepts him as a part of himself. Yeah, he takes it um no it takes responsibility for him and like his actions afterwards after he kinda of resurrects him. We then move on to Hiro Kagami, or just Hiro or Kamen Rider Brave, the only level 2 rider whose form Ranger actually likes on its own. Well, I say like, that's a strong word. Um, I don't hate it. Yeah, to be honest, <laughs> we've gone into far more depth on the designs in X8 in previous episodes, so mm. we're going to talk about the actual plot and characters in this one, because, damn, we could talk about the designs all day long. There's, there's only so many times I can say, I don't like it, before it gets boring. I don't like it, make it stop. Give <laughs> me build. Is build ready yet? <laughs> but uh, Brave is... Um, oh, I hated Brave to begin with. I thought it was an asshole, and I really just hated him as a secondary rider. But once you learn more about him, once you get... Once you get more underneath his skin, like you learn about his girlfriend and his relationship, like his actual relationship with Tiger, you um, you come to appreciate him more and the struggle he goes through to kind of maintain his assholishness. Well, he's not so much of an asshole. He's just cold and clinical. Yeah. That's the way he does things. It's the way he initially transformed. He was treating everything as a surgery. Even though everything was brightly coloured and video game themed, he he's treated it. it like any other <laughs> he's, operation. He's taking it comically. I mean, it, yeah, actually, you're right, because um, even when he's um, posing and stuff like that, he'll have his hands, like, up in front of him like, uh, like surgeons do. Yeah, it's, kind of it's like, my hands way. are clean, don't put AIDS on them. I've got to put these hands inside a patient. Even when he's got his sword on, he'll, have, he'll hold the sword across and have like the other hand up like that. It's... Initially, there were nurses with him who would hand him the oh, yeah, driver. Oh, yeah, he had his, um, he had his bimbo on. brigade yeah. that would just, he set him up with his belt and stuff like that. Was, that I was wish cool. they came back. That was funny. And they used that for fairly decent comic effect earlier in the series. So when they were going against a monster with the Doremi for beat Gashat, yeah. he would just stand there and have the notes just hit him and he wasn't sure what's going on while Emu was dancing. <laughs> he is very cold, very serious, and it's mentioned through the series that he'd always been like that, but his motivation for being part of the team is because of his girlfriend dying. Hmm. And so she died of the game disease, and it itself is his motivation for hating Tiger, Kamen Rider Snipe, who we'll discuss after we've covered Hero. And so essentially Tiger failed to save her, which then led to Graphite being born. Mm. And so Hero is a little bit miffed about him, hates him being part of the team. A little bit. Yeah, but that changes later on, as, of course, we mentioned he defects to Cronus, because Cronus is like, hey, I can bring back your dead girlfriend, and then brings back her last words, just her repeating her last words over and over again. Yeah, he brings it's her like, body back, not her mind. Yeah, and so he's just like, hey, you want the rest of her back? Kill the other dudes. 
that's okay, just kill Parrot. Just just kill Emu. I don't like Hexaid. Yeah, Masamune is a surprisingly understanding boss. Yeah, well, he knows he how be. to motivate people. He yeah. can manipulate them really well. Gives them a goal they want. Hmm. And so that's the thing with Hero. It's more redeeming because he finds someone that he can actually love. And that's finally a decent plot point for him. Oh, also his dad's the director. But oh, yeah. we, we forget about him a lot. He's just there to pull faces and act serious. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's one of the comic relief characters. Yeah. And then there is this really, really nice plot point later on where Taiga is, like, dying and the only one who can save him is Hero. And then Masamune is like, if you save his life, I'm killing your girlfriend. Yeah. And so he has to choose between that, and then he eventually swallows his pride and then actually helps Tiger, and then ends up watching his girlfriend die or disappear. And to me, I find that's a massive motivation. Yeah. And then he rejoins the team and does all the rider things, forgives Tiger, which I yeah. think is really, really sweet. They do come to uh, to understand each other more, because uh, Brave... Um... Brave kind of comes to realise that it was his fault that Saki got, was killed the first time because he was causing a stress due to his absence. Oh yeah, he was a really, really bad boyfriend. So oh, yeah. he was unresponsive as hell. She'd come up with cake. He's like, i got to do my medical Begone work. Thought. He really, for some reason, did not want to spend time with her. He was just focusing on his books. I'm like, how did you get a girlfriend in the first place? It's like, like damn. And, and Tiger was kind of happy to let him hate him like that because he felt it was the best way he could make amends for, mm. for not saving her. And at the end of the series, you see him coming to terms with Saki's death. So you see his father responding like, oh, Saki. And then Hiro just looks at it all mournfully, but then just shows that he's moved on from it. Yeah. He also used to visit Saki's parents in mourning, going that despite him trying to be some sort of hard-ass, he does have a heart. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of that comes up later as well. So much throughout, it's... Uh... He's underdeveloped a lot of times, which yeah. is a shame. But then again, this show has so many riders going on at once. Yeah. Guy might find it a better job at showing multiple riders with multiple motivations, but for the most part, this series had all of them working together, so there wasn't really a need to add that much detail. Uh, next up for the uh, the first uh, trio of riders we had is uh, is Tiger Hanaya. 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 Tiger. Hana. Tiger. Shooty. Shooty Cam- bloke. Kamen Rider Bang Bang. Yes, he is Kamen Rider Snipe, the rider with the really odd green fringe covering one eye, which really would affect his vision. Mm. What is depth perception? Well, nothing you need when shooting a gun. He is a um, he's a licenseless doctor who um, operates out of a, the uh, derelict old uh, hospital. Never has any patience except for Nico later on. He's um, he is also an asshole. Um, so initially, he was the first member of CR, which is basically Cyber Rescue, which was the common riders fighting the people with the game virus. Hmm. And as we mentioned earlier, he was responsible for Saki's death, which led to him losing his license and then having a bit of a grudge, but never really letting go of it. And so he decided to collect the Gashats because he knew about the power and everything. So hmm. ultimately, he still had a lot of cares. Yeah, his, his shtick is that he um, he wants to be the only one who has to deal with it. So that's why he wants everyone's Gashats. So he's the only one who's able to be a rider. He didn't want anyone else to have to suffer from all the stress and injury that came from it, which was why he was satisfied with Hero being angry at him, because it gave him a reason to do something. Although his character was improved later on with the addition of Nico, who fell ill and became the usual patient thing, but instead only wanted Tiger to look after her because her motivation was to kick Emu's ass. 
Nico having previously lost a game tournament to Emu, who was possessed by Parrot at the time, which is a very strange motivation, but the two of them bond, yeah. both by their mutual hatred of the other riders. Yeah, she really uh, mellows Tiger out a bit. He kind of starts warming up a bit. She is the yin to his yang. Mm. One thing I kind of like about Tiger is that he's a bit of a blackjack reference, in that he's got like a, you got a licenseless doctor, you know, back alley doctor with uh, kind of white streaks in his hair. It's uh, not not the uh, the biggest one because I don't recall Blackjack ever you know being a gun toting superhero. But that's you know. why Blackjack is crap. <laughs> there are there are some little references there, which is which is kind of neat. Tiger always seems to warn to Nico, being quite dependent on her. So having her as someone to finally care for, mm. as previously he was having a bit of a martyr complex and only really looking after himself, he then found that he had a reason to fight that wasn't just yeah I'll take it all. Kind of weird that he just had a like a, a high school girl living in his hospital, isn't it? Does, does she not have an actual house to live in? Well, she was still technically ill at the time, and I think she just liked him. It's like, hey, you, you're gonna kick Emu's ass yet? No. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna kick it yet? No. And it's very strange. And his development later on is fueled by his bond with Nico. And so as Nico goes up the ranks, he then gets very, very protective of her, mm. knowing that she's often too weak to properly fight Cronus, and so takes the place. He is quite selfless in a sense, despite yeah. him coming across as arrogant, because he can't really express his feelings to anyone else. The, the arrogance is quite probably his, uh, like, like an act to kind of make people not like him and kind of keep their distance, so that he can't, so that he can keep going on with his whole kind of savior complex thing. Mm. It's not the most effective way of dealing with things, but he is ultimately a good character. Yeah. Especially near the end, because they finally give him his medical license back. Yeah. And he slaps a paper sign over the abandoned hospital, which I assume he now has the rights for. I I'm guessing earlier in the series he was just squatting. Maybe it's squatter's rights. Yeah, he <laughs> he's a squatter doctor. And then he's going back to treating patients with the game disease, which is still a thing. So it's mm. like, okay, there's a patient. Then I guess he goes off, grabs his belt and kicks some ass. It gives him a motivation. Yeah, And I like how it ties him up. Again, like Brave, he isn't a complex character. But he but is a character. He's okay for what he is, especially when Nico joins up with him in the end, because yeah. she wants to become a nurse or assistant or something. Yeah, because um, Poppy previously kind of suggests that she'd be good at that kind of thing after she, uh, she helps a kid out who has the uh, game disease. Yes, and since we've discussed Tiger, we might as well discuss Nico. Mm -hmm. And she herself is a character who seems quite annoying at first. She just yeah. appears and is like, hey, can you kick Emu's ass for me? You beat this person up who did nothing really to deserve a beating. Yes, only because he beat her in Tekken. And so that's why she sticks with Tiger, because he starts taking all the gash hats. And eventually she wants him to kick Emu's ass, but then she finds out that it's... Parrot who actually did it and so she wants to kick Parrot's ass and there's a lot of folks on ass kicking all we know is actually, that she's a girl she, gamer she kicks uh, Tiger's ass literally quite a lot of the oh, time yeah, as she well does. oh yeah she beats him and then covers everything in bright kind of Harajuku and, style yeah stuffed animals everywhere Yeah, she really likes him but it's that sense that she's just pretending to be a bit of a bitch yeah, they've got a they've got a fun little relationship going on. They've got like a kind of weird mentor. Not actually, no. They've got like a weird kind of well, like big brother and sister thing. Yeah, actually, it is kind of like a weird sibling. They're thing. like siblings, and I love it when they always mention like, "So are you two going out?" And then like, "No." That's that's weird. I mean, yeah, that is yeah. weird. Like she's like what sixteen? He's 
mid to late 20s, probably late 20s. That's creepy. So aside from the few episodes where she gets the game disease and becomes the moral pet of Tiger, her development doesn't really begin until she becomes a ride player, where Tiger just tells her, no, don't play Chronicle. And she says, screw you, I'll play Chronicle. <laughs> and that finally gives us the motivation to have her play the game and defeat all the bosses. And it's good. She makes use mm. of the slapstick rather well, although I find that with her and Poppy as writers, they're just a bit too girly, I find. I don't know. They're pretty, they're pretty girly girls to begin I know, with. I mean, Poppy's definitely a girly girl. Excessively and Nico... effeminate with Nico. Uh, no, I kind of... I think it works. I mean, you need something to tell her apart from the uh, the other ride players. Well, that's why she wears the funky cap and the backpack and the copious amount of stickers. Personally, I found that she was a bit too annoying earlier on. But yeah. I gradually warmed to her because she was actually doing things as a character. And she did develop as well. She she had actual proper development and stopped being quite such a bitch. Yeah, she finally dropped that grudge and started looking toward the good things. And even though she did want to become the best gamer ever by defeating all the things. After a while, she actually started to care about Emu and started uh, being concerned about him when he was um, injured and stuff like that, which is kind of nice. I'd say that she's the most developed protagonist, really, because all the others are acting within what they'd normally do, mm. except for Hiro having to deal with letting go of Saki. But with Nico, she does a 180 on a lot of her views. Yeah. So she actually grows up, matures, becomes a lot more selfless, then discovers that she's good at helping people. Her background isn't worked on too much, though, as in only in the end you see her as a schoolgirl and people are like, oh yeah, you were off sick, and she eventually <laughs> graduates, and then mm. she just joins Tiger, either as an assistant or something. Well, she kind of appoints herself as assistant. It's like, you will give me this job. <laughs> he's like, you're 16 years old. She's like, whatever. She hasn't even got to uni yet, and she wants to become a medical professional. Well, in this case, it makes sense because medical professionals in X-Aid fight monsters. And she actually, does she still have the Gashat? Or was it destroyed? Uh, I don't think it was destroyed. They still have a bunch of the Gashats. You know what would be really, really cool in a follow-up movie? Mm -hmm. If they gave her a gamer driver and she oh. used two of them and became Cronus. That'd be pretty cool, actually. That would be the good stuff. I like if they actually made her her own... <laughs> the Tekken Gashat or something like that. That would be really, really nice tie-in. Again, Namco Bandai could work. Mm -hmm. But that's all we have to say about Nico, really. She's spunky, lively, a little bit annoying to begin with, but ultimately a very fun character. Speaking of spunky, lively female characters, of course there's Poppy Peepa Popo. If you listen to certain people, the only ever female rider we've ever had. Uh, she's um, she's fun, I like her. She, um, she was a bit weird to begin with. I, I wasn't quite sure how to take her. Especially the whole kind of swapping between the uh, Poppy persona and the uh, the Asuna persona, but the Asuna one kind of doesn't happen too much, and it's she's mainly Poppy. So for a bit of context, Poppy is a benign bugster from the game Doremi for Beat, and her job is essentially a nurse to look after a lot of the patients with it. Though I think that actually in that context, nurses are unnecessary because the person's just in pain and slowly fading away, unless it means giving them a hell of a lot of morphine. <laughs> And she was born from Kuroto Dan's experiments with the game virus. Well, I th was it he who infected his mother, or did she just catch it? I think he infected his mum. So he infected his mum with the Dory Me For Beat game virus, and Poppy was born. Maybe she liked dancing games. And then Poppy considers Kuroto a father, though she was born from his mother and inherited her memories. So does that make her like his mum or his sister? Uh, I don't know, but I'm hearing banjos. <laughs> 
although she finds out that background later on and it does lead to a bit of development. But through a lot of the series she is all happy and optimistic and stuff and mm. she swaps to a nurse persona which is really really oddly calm and formal and yeah. actually preferable in my opinion to the weird Genki girl that appears. And I prefer the poppy persona. It's uh, it's fun, it's kind of... she adds a lot of levity to situations but uh, when she starts being serious in a poppy persona it's uh, it shows that this shit's really hitting the fan. She tends to help Emu a lot, so acting as his assistant. She helps him get introduced to all the lore, all the background, as he also stands in for the audience. And so she's there as the guide, which sort of makes sense because then she's brought in as the guide for Chronicle. Mm. And so that's sort of brainwashed, sort of against her will. But then she becomes unbrainwashed after she gets a bit depressed. Yeah, uh, that's what'll solve your brainwashing, just a bit of depression. Yeah, that's actually the alternative cut for the Manchurian Candidate. <laughs> Development-wise, she doesn't change much. Any development is just there to further the plot a little more. So it's like, oh no, they've gotten stuck and they can't beat this certain thing. What does she do? She recovers a few memories, finds the proto-Geshats, and brings back Kuroto. Yep. And although she does become more of an authority figure near the end, she warms to Kuroto, but after bringing him back, she knows how to imprison him within one of the bug visors. Yeah. And so she becomes a bit of an authority figure then. <laughs> kind of becomes a bit of his keeper, you know, just kind of keeps him in check for a the bit. The Tard Wrangler. <laughs> All she needs to do is raise it and he shuts up, it's great. I was especially hyped about her because then she would become a female rider. Mm -hmm. It's Kamen Rider Poppy. And then she has the funky dating sim themed yeah. rider getup. And I really enjoyed that. It was there, it was happy. I mean, I found it a bit too feminine in comparison with Nico because the, both their effects were about the same. But it was fine with Poppy because that's what she is. And to be honest, in the scenes where she's fighting in her rider form, she is brutal. Yes, all three episodes worth, or however many it is. It's not yeah. many. She uses the chainsaw attachment and just gets really, really nasty. And I'm disappointed that she doesn't have more scenes as a rider nearer the end. Only she and Nico get to do it earlier on, which is a shame because I wanted to see them all going on at once. Mm. Well, maybe, maybe they will in the uh, in some, one of the movies. Yeah, I love female riders. I'm just thinking, yeah, it's great. Ha have them with more screen time. Just have them as equal. I'm I'm a weird Toku feminist. I'm like, yeah, give me, give me more female riders. Well, it kind of bothers me that um, Poppy is kind of lauded as like a, a great female rider when Tackle had a great much... female rider. Yeah, Tackle had much more um, to do, much more... I mean, she was... Um, she, uh, Tackle was the first one to transform in, um, in Stronger, actually. She was the first one we saw. I'm not saying that Poppy's the best female rider. She's just there. I'm just glad that there is a female rider, but they could have done so much more with her. I mean, she seems to have gotten a pretty good uh, response as a rider, so hopefully um, Toei will pay attention to this and bring more in. And of course, how can we forget Kiria Kujo, also known as Kamen Rider Laser, or later on after being Deus Ex Machina back, Laser Turbo. You might think, Laser, that's an odd name for a man who turns into a bike. I don't know. He's maybe, just there. Maybe they're going for a racer or something like that and just kind of mispronounced in, it. In English. <laughs> Strangely enough, he doesn't really have much of a backstory. He's just there. He's just a coroner. Yeah, but you never really see him doing anything coroner-related. He shows think... up to work in a Hawaiian shirt I don't and canvas shoes. I'm really sure a kids' show would be the best place to show like actual dead bodies and some bloke just kind of prodding around in them. I mean, it is mentioned later on how he starts developing the vaccine by repeatedly kicking Kuroto's ass. That yeah. he needs to look for causes of things, as the coroner's job is to inspect causes of death and to prevent that from happening in people in future cases. So yeah, basically he was killing um, Kuroto a lot and kind of learning from that to kind of develop that kind of thing. It's... Yeah. 
So Kyria had a vital role in actually advancing the plot in the beginning. Mm. All the other riders were content to fight. He was the one who was investigating. He was looking into why Emu transformed and that he didn't actually have the operation. And so he kept everything going, kept the intrigue going. They didn't trust him, yet he was still sort of a protagonist and then working with the baddies. It was really nice. It was quite complex for what it was. But then they just went and killed him. And he was doing all that heroic sacrifice thing. Mm. They killed him off way too early because he was only starting to get interesting. Yeah, I didn't really give him enough time for uh, for audiences to gel with him a lot. So, I mean, um, I think if they waited more towards the beginning, sorry, not the middle, sorry, to kill him, then I think that would have been a much better strategy to take. Definitely. And when he comes back, he is allegedly a bad guy. And yeah, I think in the beginning he was a bit of a liar. So, sort of things they didn't really trust him yeah. and especially after they did the whole thing where he tried to unmask genmu and then mm. they got did they get parod or was it graphite that they had stand this place probably parod i think it was parod yeah and so he was sort of outed and seen as an outsider and so it's sort of reflected on again when he's the bad guy in that all of that was a massive ruse so he could steal all the proto gashats and mm-hmm. save all the people's it's a bit of an old motivation, but hey, at least he gets to use other forms now, like he uses jet combat. Yeah, so, and they, they all look like they haven't been rendered yet because they're all kind of grey. Yeah, it's basically greyed out versions of the other Gashats. It's a shame he doesn't use more of them, mm. and his humanoid form looks like ass. Yeah, it really isn't the strongest. I'm just glad they gave him a humanoid one. Otherwise, mm. he's just a bike. He's an anime character, then he's a bike. He's not even ridden that much. No. He's ridden once or twice in the beginning, then again in the end. That's it. For the rider machine, damn. There really isn't much point to making him a bike man, you know? In terms of personality, he can be a bit sarcastic, but he's very focused toward his role. Mm. So when he's brought back from the dead, at that point, Dan is back. And Kiria gets really, really sick of Dan having snarky remarks. He's just working constantly and proclaiming himself a god and being really, really insensitive when there are people dying. So at the point where the game deus virus spreads, he decides to infect Kuroto and then take advantage of all those lives he's been bragging about by kicking his ass repeatedly. (laughs) And then Kuroto sort of warms to that. So Kiryu gets a bit of revenge on the guy who killed him and Mm. manages to do some medical research. So he is still playing Doctor. He's a consistent character, even though he has to be very sneaky and underhanded about it. Yeah. He's a bit of a chaotic good, really. Yeah, he's probably one of my favourites out of the show. He's uh, he's a fun, not the most complex character, but, you know, not a blank slate either. He's a lot more interesting than Emu, though, because Emu was always going the whole choir boy route. Mm. There was always that one moral thing. Whereas Kiria was willing to go a bit seedy. A little yeah. bit seedy just to say, hey, here's a different route of taking things rather than playing the Boy Scout the whole time. Yeah, he was okay with getting his hands dirty. I still think that he probably wore the Hawaiian shirts to autopsies <laughs> and the horrible boater shoes and the trousers that showed his ankles. We also have uh, Dangerous Dan with his dangerous plan. It's uh, Dan Kuroto, the ex-CEO of uh, Gen... Genmu. Genmu, that's Corp. it. Corp. And uh, also Kamen Rider Gen and Dangerous Zombie. It's not really given the Kamen Rider title for Dangerous Zombie, it's just Dangerous Zombie. 
He'd always been the antagonist from the beginning, forcing the riders to fight him, always stroking his ego at the same time, while outside of the whole rider thing, pretending to be helpful toward the others, whereas he's just advancing his own goals to develop Kamen Rider Chronicle, as he wanted to be the ultimate game developer, and I think he actually wanted to make a decent game, <laughs> because you know how Parades and... Masamune hijacked it and just yeah. wanted killing people. I swear Kuroto actually wanted to make a game where players could fairly fight bugsters. Probably, yeah. He just had a really, really unethical way of doing it. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'll get the data from these monsters. Here's the data of human death. Yoink. Got me a powered up form. Now <laughs> I can come back from the dead. Ooh. And then he got the data from the riders. Mm. So he released a horrible disease in order to develop a really, really good game. If you look at it from that way, it's an incredibly weird way of doing something. He was dead focused on it. Well, he had more of a reason for doing his things than Masamune did, at least. Not even massively villainous, he's just misguided, he's like a child. It's just unethical. It's always expanded on that he was a prodigy, and so he got angry at Emu for sending him sketches and gave the kid a horrible disease. As you do. And so he was a successful developer, and then worked on the Gashats, mm. and... After being reborn, you finally start to realise how much of an egotist he is, because then he claims that he has completely defeated death by being reborn as a bugster. Yeah. And he always emphasises it every time he enters a fight, because he has 99 spare lives. And so he just pops out of a little tube Mario style, and then smirks. The way Kuroto's acted seems to be from the William Shatner school of acting. His actor himself is actually pretty well accomplished. What did he gain again? Um, he's a um, he's a card carrying member of Mensa. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what his uh, IQ is. I'm not sure if they said that. He's also a uh, a pharmacist as well, and an actor in a superhero series. Wow. To be honest, considering how egotistical Kuroto was, I wouldn't be surprised if his actor was like, "Hey, how about we play him this way?" Yeah. He um t towards the end, he gets a lot more obsessed over his own genius and. I don't think it's a coincidence that his actor is a Mensa member. I think it might have been a thing kind of referencing that. When he's pulled into the protagonist's side, a lot of it is played for laughs. It doesn't have the sadistic evil bent that he did earlier in the show, because his work is already completed, and he's just mad that people are taking it the wrong way. Mm. And all of it's done for laughs. So whenever he gets a bit too much, Poppy just threatens him with the bug visor. <laughs> so yeah. get back in your cage. And it's always funny because he just overacts everything. He shouts everything. He's like, I am Shin Kurotodan. And he's like, I am your god. And it's all done so well because he's a great comical character near the end as long as you forget that he did kind of kill a bunch of people. A lot of people. A lot of people, including his own mother. And then framed his dad, but then it was revealed later on that his dad wanted that to happen. So it's some strange Machiavellian thing. Eh, to note, Keikaku means blam. Keikaku means Dan. In the first half of the series, a lot of X-Aid's new forms were dreamt up by Emu himself, so using his whole infected state to create Gashats allowed him to make the whole Mighty Brothers double X thing and the maximum Mighty X, but in the other half, it was Kuroto who ended up making them, as he was stroking his ego and making himself seem so powerful, as he was like, hey look, I made you an invincible ninja form, and the first time that Gashat is introduced, he uses it on himself and becomes invincible, but then he realises it only works for ten seconds. Yeah, it's like... he gets his ass whooped. Yeah, it's like the, uh, like the star in, uh, in Mario, or the, uh, the invincibility TV in the Sonic games. 
pretty much, yeah, even has a similar effect in music playing. For the most part, Kuroto Dan is just the team's resident scientist. They keep him around because he's the only one who knows the enemy, because he was the enemy. Realistically, it might be inconsistent for him to do this, but he works really, really well as the comical foil in the second half. Especially when he has to deal with the consequences of having done all the horrible things where he gets imprisoned, and then he just keeps begging for people to release him. <laughs> to appropriate the old-school D&D style of alignments, I'd say he's more of a chaotic neutral than any actual evil. Because, mm. yeah, sure, he was being a bit of a bad guy in the beginning, he just wanted to make a video game. All he wanted to do was make a really good video game, and then he just wanted to be considered the best dev ever. He just wants to be loved and acknowledged and worshipped. Too much to ask. No. He's a very, very lovable character. Mm. Especially when you see the little promos at the end of the episodes, like the movie promos. Yeah. His actor's just freaking out, going crazy. <laughs> it's beautiful, I love it. We can't really give you a proper impression of what Kuroto is unless you watch the whole show. The first half, ah, it's a bit of a grind, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. But the second half is definitely worth it. It's a mess. They add a plot point every episode or so, and then they drop a bunch of other ones. It's kind of disappointing. It kind of makes it hard to know what you want to get invested in and what to, yeah, what you can just leave. And it was very prevalent during the second half. And so as soon as they'd settled into the whole Kamen Rider Chronicle thing, where Parrot had taken over and it seemed like, yeah, it's going to be the bad guys strike back kind of thing. Mm. Then the plot immediately changed with Amasamune, and then his motivations changed every now and then. And it was just a mad tangle between plot points. And then there were the filler episodes. But if you enjoyed the character interactions, and enjoyed the action and all the rider stuff, you would survive it, actually. Hmm. It's just more of the thing that you like, if you like that sort of thing. Despite them going with Toei's current style of saving budget by only having a few monster suits. Um, it, it does... It get a bit frustrating towards the end once you get a bit sick of seeing the same monsters over and over again. I find it was done a bit better than Zhuoja, though. Mm. Because with Zhuoja, it was just pretty blatant. You yeah. just said, oh, look, I brought this guy back for me memories. Go fight him again. <laughs> with Xa, they had something. They had a Pokemon Go style thing yeah. where all the ride players can see on their phones where the next Bugster will be and they have to fight him. That was always good, and it gave them a purpose and sort of expanded a bit on the characters. Yeah. Not enough, but gave them all a distinct personality. Hmm. Especially the one with the motorcycle. Yeah. Like how x reprogrammed him so he couldn't have the bike anymore, so he just started beating people up with a set of handlebars. <laughs> He's that go was fast. always nice. I'm going to repeat what I said earlier in the episode. All in all, it's a mess, but it's a fun mess. Hmm. It's brightly coloured, it can be serious at times, and as long as you can let go of your disbelief, I'd say it's worth watching. It's fun, it's lively, it's satisfying. The ending is satisfying. I didn't go away feeling hollow like I did with Wizard. No. It genuinely felt like they'd ended the series, but they're obviously going to build on it more. And maybe in future we'll start looking at the miniseries and at the movies. But for the series, I'd say I'm pretty satisfied. Uh, honestly, if, um, I'd rather the uh, I'd rather it was some other kind of independent. I mean, not independent from Toei, but like independent from the Kamen Rider series. Like it was, uh, I, I don't know, um, Virtual Heroes X Aid or something like that. Because okay. the aesthetics are very far removed from what is typically Kamen Rider. Yeah, when we started the cast, you weren't really too fond of the aesthetic. It didn't really fit the whole rider thing. I'm still not. The uh, the closer it gets to 
the whole rider aesthetic is having a little little gem in the forehead and having large eyes. But even then, the eyes are very different to what uh, Kamen Rider's eyes are usually. These are flat uh, anime eyes rather than the uh, kind of bug-eyed compound eyes you usually get. Did you enjoy the series, though? Um, It's not the best, but all in all, I came away feeling more positive about it than I expected to. Better than Wizard? Uh, yeah, better than Wizard. Hallelujah! <laughs> And so this brings our little x special to an end. We may probably end up expanding on other plot points and things in mm. later episodes, but we've talked about the plot, we've talked about the characters, we like it more than we'd initially thought. <laughs> and we're just really excited for Build. If anything, we could say that Build is returning to form after x decided to experiment. It's like Drive after Gaime. Yeah, it does seem a little bit more like a, kind of going back to safer territory. That's what Toei seems to do. They always go like, okay, let's do something else, then they return to the old style. I suppose just to reassure people that they're still business as usual, they just like to try different things sometimes. Which is a good idea. At least they're testing what sticks, because hey, Gaim's gimmicks worked really well. And hmm. so maybe in the future we'd expect something a bit more Gaim-like, once Toei know that they can properly profit from it. If you've enjoyed X-Aid, you can buy a lot of X-Aid gimmicks from tokutoystore.com. Mm-hmm. Check them out, they've got a lot of old stuff in stock, a lot of new stuff, and it's just a big old mishmash of the new, the old, the pre-loved, and ultimately it's worth checking out. Absolutely, they've, uh, if you like stuff, they've got stuff. You can buy their stuff. Buy things. We're the worst at promos, just <laughs> engaging capitalism, unless you're Stalin. Then why the hell are you watching Tokusatsu? Aren't you dead? And if you enjoyed our stuff, make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us on SoundCloud, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and generally say good things about us. Unless you want to fight, then we'll be right over. I've got a baseball bat. Absolutely. Just uh, check us out. Let us know what you think. This is Rex, signing off. Stay fabulous. Keep on writing, folks. Keep on writing, folks.